I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to the first Betting Lost Words podcast of 2023. Uh, I am joined as ever by Jason and Bradley Todd. Jason and Brad, hello. Good evening. Good evening, Tom. It's good to hear that you're both uh, re-energised and ready for 36 weeks in a row of, of golf <laughs> tournaments. And we're also joined tonight uh, by Stanley from Tortip. Stanley, hello. Hi, Tom. Thank you, thank you as ever for coming on. This, I think this is the second time on the podcast now. Um, obviously, a long time supporter of the podcast. I think pretty much a couple of months after we started, you, you kind of came on board and, you know, your your resource is invaluable to us. I think the kind of idea of tonight is to introduce a couple of new features that we've got on the site. Maybe talk about some of the stuff that's not used as much. I know sort of in the background, you'll probably see which gets the most visits and, and things like that. So I think that'd be exciting to go through. Um and then, and then we'll come on to the tournament champions at the end of that. So I think, you know, that that's probably the plan for tonight, Stanley. Sounds good. Excellent. So just a quick announcement, I think, before we go into that. Um, we are now officially going to be on Golf News Network Radio, uh, which is an exciting thing for the podcast. So this is more for our American listeners. You will now be able to listen to us on iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. It's a 24-7 golf radio station, which is exciting. Uh, we will have our betting podcast on in a slot on a Monday and our um, DraftKings podcast on a Tuesday as well. So really exciting things for us. Uh, nice to be, you know, reaching a wider audience in America. You can listen to us in a car or through Alexa or anything, those sort of things. So really exciting um, addition to the podcast. Let's go into tour tips. So Stanley, we've been using, I mean, we've been using the resource before we obviously did the podcast and, and it's not new to us, but since you've kind of been supporting the podcast and we've kind of dived into it more and, and kind of bring it up, we always talk about kind of our favorite, our own individual favorite things. And there's kind of the strokes gain approach, strokes gain tee to green, all those kind of areas that I think are kind of commonly used and things like that. But what would you say is kind of like one of the most underutilized areas of the site? And I know it's kind of putting you on the spot a little bit, but like, do you think there's a there's an area of the site that people don't use as much, maybe from, from data you get in the background that people could go to? Um, I, I, I'd say so. I think that, you know, most people start off with the event statistics, look at course form, uh, look at current form of, of players. Um, I, I think what I try to steer people towards after that is to look at the tournament profile. Yeah. Where I'm trying to get a, a five-year breakdown of the tournaments in terms of, okay, what are the key statistics? What are the key plain factors you need to look for that have identified winners in the past or people that have done well. So like it's a top five, you can, for each of the last five years, you can see how they did in terms of stroke gained or driving distance or greens in regulation or whatever, even things that are not event specific, such as, well, what was their course form before the, in the five years before that, or what was their, their form leading up to that event? Is it a, a, a course that's, Horses for courses type of event, or is it one where hot players do well in terms of mm-hmm. in terms of form? So I try to steer people towards that because it, it helps you to identify things that aren't necessarily the first thing people look at. Who's in good form? Who's played well in these, this course previously? Because we know that that type of player 
the odds on that tackle aren't, aren't great. So if you kind of look for other things that have been important in the past, that will put the players on your short list that are generally going to be much better value in terms of odds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just uh, just on that, like if we look at if we're taking the tournament championships this week, for example, um, Jason just just looking at it, like Cameron Smith last year, he was first in par fours, first first in par fives, he was fourth in driving distance, fifth in greens regulations, uh, second in putting average, and that won't be a surprise to anyone based on the fact that he shot thirty under or whatever it was that he did when he he, he won the tournament. Um, but when you go down again, like the last three winners, first, second, and second in par five performance straight away. Jason, you get an idea of kind of what you're looking at for, for the tournament. Yeah, do you know what? It's, it's all on one page. Absolutely <clears throat> agree with you. Yeah, he's got the last five winners, got the top five. Um, <coughs> and then I actually like to go further down, like do it backwards. So you've got the stats leaders of the certain categories and where they finished. Yeah. And that gives you an idea of, of um, I mean, sometimes years play differently, obviously. Um, you know, but that gives you an idea that, that a certain factor isn't so important. I mean, look down driving distance, you can see that the leaders, for example, um, Bryson led last year, obviously. Um, he finished 25th, Garrett Kigo, 25th. And you just look down, it just gives you some, it gives you a profile of the event. So it narrows down an awful lot of players. You then use that compared with your your current form. And obviously, you know, sorry, like this is the way I talk anyway, don't as you know. <laughs> um, you, then go, you then go onto your, onto your, your, your uh, field page, for example. You can then look to see who's, who's in forms, uh, Tita Green uh, approaches, putting. Uh, I think it starts over eight weeks. You could do it up to 15 weeks. Obviously, this time of year, you're missing out an awful lot of weeks. But you start comparing those type of things and you get, uh, okay, we're not going to fancy 155 runners. Um, <coughs> but combined with everything and the use of these stats, you can you can really, really, so when you get halfway through the season and you start looking who's in form at a certain sector or certain two or three sectors, you can start narrowing the fields down dramatically. I mean, I, I think everybody would have looked at, uh, um, at this course, plantation course, and, and said you can smash it. Um, and we know Bryson's Bryson. I've got my opinion on Bryson. Um, but there we are. It, 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 you know, you'd think that driving distance is absolutely crucial here because you hit it far enough, it'll just go rolling down the hill and go on and on and on and on. Um, but it doesn't appear to be so. And there is no particular advantage to doing that. Um, it's all about second shot. So, like you say, you start off at that page and, and you combine the rest of it, and Bob's your uncle, 52 winners a year, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's very, very easy. That's that's why, you know, people should pay the big bucks for the, for the tour tips, or not the big bucks, as we like to say, because it's, it's an invaluable resource. But when you look, um, Brad, at that kind of stats leaders thing that, you know, Stanley and Jason just spoken about, and, yeah. and to Jason's point, like everyone would say the big hitters will do well here because they're, you know, easy fairways, etc. Bryson and, and Higo led that category last year. They finished 25th. Bryson led it the year before, finished 7th. Cameron Champ, just behind him, finished 31st. Cameron Champ, the year before, led the statistic, finished 14th. Martin Trainer, 2nd, 34th. Like, Dustin Johnson led it in 2018 and finished 2nd. But other than that, there's not really been a contender that's done it from just leading driving distance. And it's kind of similar to in the same with driving accuracy. So all of a sudden, you start to think, well, actually, is it just a case of who gets a hot putter and sticks all their approaches, which makes more sense at a resort golf course? Oh, 100%. It's definitely going to come down to who gets a hot putter. I mean, it will be a birdie fest. We know at this course, the only real defence is if the wind gets up and it doesn't look like that's the case this week. So it's going to be very similar test to last year. So, yeah, you're going to be hot with your, be hot with your irons, hot with your putter. Um, driving distance is, of course, going to matter. It's a long course. Um, but 
yeah, just got to be making a lot of birdies and the score's going to be low again. So, yeah, that's all it is. Sorry. Go on, Jay. So I think, Tom, I mean, the other thing you saw is, is you look off the tee, which is obviously a combination of distance and accuracy. Yeah. And and when you look, we, I think we said this before, when you start looking into that, not necessarily this week, you start finding which sector of that has led to, you know, it's like tee to green, isn't it? Tee to green is a combo. Yeah. Um, but has it come from off the tee? Has it come um, from approaches? And if it's come from off the tee, has it come from off the tee? Has it come from distance? It's not necessarily, you know, you have to understand how that figure is derived. And you've got the resource here that has numerous pages um, that you can just keep delving and delving, it, you know, as much as you want to. You, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people won't need to and won't wish to go so far and spend the hours and hours. But it's if you need it, you don't have to hop from window to window. It's there in front of you. It's it's everything is there to to get um, from the general idea through to you know um, looking at it in minute detail. So yeah, you know, can't can't go wrong, can you? Yeah, and I think I think. Stanley, one of the things that I like about this page, and I'm pretty guilty of not using it enough myself, is like the current and course form of the top five. Like one of the the key questions, I guess, this week is who plays well off of an extended break, and you know how much does course form matter? Well, you've got that in, in a simple chart, right? Like the the top five of the tournament last year, Cameron Smith had, you know, he he'd finished 17th and 24th at this event in the past, but he'd also had a fourth and a 15th within five and six weeks. So like it, it's trying to understand who's come in and played well off a break, how much of a break they've had, and the course form as well. And it's all in kind of that small chart there for you, Stanley. Yeah, that's right. I think it's, um, you know, it's trying to look at what information do we have now looking forward to this week's event and comparing that to what information was available before last year's events. That's why the, looking at the last eight weeks before the tournament, okay, it's a little bit skewed because of the Christmas and break and so on. Is that relevant? And yeah, I think that I think was I read that twelve out of fourteen, or so of the last fourteen winners had, had played in December. Whether it includes a Hero World uh, Challenge or the QB Shootout, so on, they're not people who go off extended breaks. Yeah. And likewise, if you look at course form, you you get very few players actually do well here as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it uh, was that, that table as well. Yeah, I think it was like John Rahm and Jordan Spieth have both had the opportunity to kind of buck that trend of winning on a debut. But like that's John Rahm and Jordan Spieth. Like when you're talking about general debutants, you're going to be thinking of I don't know, like kind of like Matt Fitzpatrick and people like that. Like it, it's a different type of thing. And I think one of the key questions again coming back to it is like how important is it to have played like you said in December? As you can see that like Patrick Cantley and Ricky Fowler and Daniel Berg and people have played well here with, with having eight weeks of not playing golf like it mm-hmm. it does kind of and one of the, the kind of questions we were having um just on the, on the DFS podcast we've just done is like how much does do the results matter you know pre-December Brad like how, how much do you factor in what people were doing like Brian Harmon's finished the season or finished the, the year of 2022 with two second place finishes but he hasn't played mm-hmm. for eight weeks like how do you kind of balance that out in terms of how he's going to play this week? I think it's I think it's important. I like to see um, that a player has finished the year strong. I mean, obviously, and then you could also look on the other hand that some player is going to be like, all right, I've got time to fix it. And um, so if there is any problems in the game, they can come back strong. They could be doing grinding hard. So it is just guesswork, but really what you can look at. And I've only just come across this, this consecutive week's, 
category on tour tips this week, uh, which has been very helpful, uh, where you can where you can see um, how well players do off a break, and that has that has helped me um, construct my card this week. Um, but yeah, I do think you have to. I, I quite like that, that a player has finished uh, their year strong. They're coming into this um, in good spirits, and um, it's not necessarily massively important, but it's something that I like to see. Yeah. And I think I think people like have spent years and months and, and whatever talking about what's more important, course form and current form. And I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. Like I think it's so week to week dependent, Stanley. And I think this this chart that we're talking about here on the profile page will kind of indicate that. Like you'll see how important course form has been for the top five every year, as opposed to like it may be way more important at Kapalua than it is at Amex or, or, or whatever. And it, it's not a case of you know in January how important course form is going to be for the entire year. It's taking it like a week by week process and kind of breaking and analysing it down per tournament rather than taking a long term view. I think. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is the whole thing about golf tournaments being fifty one weeks a year or, or forty events on on a tour. Every course is is very different. Um, you know, it's not like a, a set number of, of you know course racing tracks and so on each course is set up very different you get weather conditions they're very different uh, and specific to a region and it, it does vary week by week and, and while this is you know, the first event of the year so you, 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 you're taking everything with a slight pinch of salt as, as was mentioned earlier the big thing is the break yeah there are very clear trends can be found from, from one week to the next and the data's there yeah, absolutely agree with that. And I think that's a, a perfect use of that page. Jason, if I told you outside of the, or asked you outside of the actual event page of, of the current form, course form, um, the strokes gain metrics, what part of the site you find most useful, what, what would it be? Oh, let me know. <laughs> put, um, put you on the spot there. I, I, I mean, when I was doing the, the, the final round preview, then of the in and out contention, uh, yeah. Sunday supplement pages, if you, if you want to bet in running, um, and you're looking at a field, then both of those are absolutely, absolutely vital. Um, in and out contention, you can put um, how many shots your player is behind the leader, whether they've led, whether whatever position they've been in. So, and that way, if it's a two ball, obviously you can have between one and two. If it's a three ball, between one and three. So that allows you to, to not worry about whether it's a pairing or a three ball. Um, you can have a look where they are at any round. Um, so that that was absolutely vital, but then it still is. I mean, I don't do as much in running, but for yeah. those that do, um, and certainly if you're a Betfair player and want to play the exchanges and you want to lay your back a few people, uh, that gives you a great idea as to whether they're strong over the weekend or not. Um, you've got <coughs> you've got loads. If you want to look at um, match betting, you've got head-to-head uh, plays. It tells you every round where they're finished uh, compared with, uh, compared with each other. Um, I'll be honest with you. There isn't a fact. I, I think it's it's like I say, it's invaluable. It, it's I've got one, two, three, four. I've got five windows open on tour tips, and I'm now with which I'm sure you'll discuss very soon. Now with some extras, uh, it will go up again, and, and it's just it, my my own. The only concern I have is that Monday at certain times, like the OWGR website, it's so popular. Um, but otherwise, it's it's. Um, this yeah, it's, it's invaluable, mate. It's um, I, I, it's there. It's in one site, and that's that's all you need. Without, as I say, without any adverts popping out, without any jargon. It's uh, as Stanley says, any data that's available is there. Whether yeah. you want to use it, 
how you want to use it is up to you you know but it's providing every single bit of data the other bit as well tom is, is i know what you like um uh i like the in running stats yeah so literally at every point during a tournament you can find um i don't know how many categories there are god there must be 20 i think something like that you've got all the stats all the modern stats so example strokes gained but you've also got driving distance scrambling driving accuracy etc for every single player in the field and you can look that up during the tournament for any round and you can see if they're improving um, you've got am versus pm stats on there after every round it's it's like it's just all there um i know your favorite so i'll leave you to say that one um, <laughs> i think it's your favorite um we talk about it quite a lot so yeah look, i've got it i've got no problem it's, it's just well i don't know what you want as a, as a you know i've 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 been betting on several sports for years some of that i don't bet on anymore um and to find a, a stat site as one complete easy to use um method is is it's, it's invaluable and really if you are a golf punter so i don't know what the cost is this year um what is it 100 or quid it's, it's good, quid. good job we got a man that does know uh, yeah, it might, <laughs> yeah. Um, it might but, have gone up due to high, high, I, high, I, whatever. The, I'd sorry, put it up, but um, whatever it is, it should be more. It's invaluable, isn't it? You know, if it, if it, I'm not being funny, but it costs you a fiver a week. Yeah, that's trying to. If it costs right, 50 quid, and it's a fiver a week. It's, it's everything like, you need, isn't it? What do you want? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're going to make it back, and I think, I think going into well, just to elaborate, kind of like on, on the in and out of contention. I mean, again, I. I've already sort of referenced it, but I always use this for my first round leader stuff. I'm actually not going to be doing that article this year, but I will still be keeping a keen eye on it just because this made me more interested. Like I can literally, so the way I used to do it, I used to, you've got the shots behind the leader um, between and, so it can be a negative to query in the first start. So I used to put between minus 10 shots, which is 10 shots ahead and two shots behind. So I knew that I can then look for how many times Rory McIlroy has been within two shots of the lead after round one. Now, there is no way that someone can pluck a figure out of their head, but it's 70 times in his career he's been within two shots to lead after round one. That's why he's not only is he the tournament favourite, therefore he goes in the first round leader favourite, but that's why he's actually quite a good value in that event because as much as someone will tell you it's just throwing darts at the dartboard, with certain players it probably isn't, Brad. Like, you've got you've got players like Roy McIlroy who consistently is in, within two of the lead. And the reason I put two of the lead is because I always think you can lose a shot with one bad chip or one lip out apart or something like that. I always think that like, that's a decent parameter. Now, you do sometimes get, you do fall in the trap of finding someone that consistently finishes two shots behind the first round lead and never actually leads after round one. But that kind of thing can happen. Um, before we go into kind of answering Jason's question about the subscription packages and things like that and the new changes, Brad, what would be, to answer the same question that Jason just answered, where yeah. would you kind of go to on the site? I love the player stats where it's all just there and it's all ranked in front of you. You've got obviously your standard shot game metrics and then you can also look into stuff like ball striking as well. I always use that, but I would have to say what I use the most is the top players, um, especially like obviously I bet all the smaller tours as well. Um, you can apply it to all the tours, but uh, sometimes I can go, if I'm looking at a Latino America, I can look at location form. I just type in the country, let's say it's happening in Chile um, and I can just see who's got the best um, and then type in the number of minimum number of events, say it's two, and see who's got the best um, location form, for example, in Chile or, say, Argentina. And this is just it's helpful, um, and you can do it to certain courses as well. Um, and, yeah, I, I do this for all the tours, um, and I found it incredibly useful. 
um, in my research process. So I would say the player stats and top players and also a big shout out to position by round as well, which is also very interesting because you can see if a player was like in like in contention but then just blew it on the final day for example you know that's always good to see so um yeah i would say them three are my favorite yeah and and by on that position by round thing like that is where like so often like tw- i can remember two vivid occasions where i used that and it was Joaquin neiman at riviera um where mm-hmm. he was 70 to 1 to win there that week and there had been like he'd had like two or three rounds in in each start where he played really, really well, but like had poor finishes because he shot a 74 or something in the final round, whatever. And all I had to do was literally hover over his finish. So, for example, this week, like Patrick Cantlay's finished 15th, 4th, 13th, and 4th at this event. All right. So you've kind of, you would think that's a bit Jekyll and Hyde, but for like the first two rounds of his debut, he was 7th and 8th after the first two rounds. And he was 7th after 54 holes in 2021. So you could argue that he's inside the top seven basically all the time, barring one dropout round. So, his form might actually look even better than what it kind of suggests on paper. Okay. So that is kind of, you know, leading on from that position by round and, and an easy access to it is literally just hovering over the, the course form. And same for current form as well. Like someone might have finished, let's just say that um, Corey Connors finished 25th at the Zozo Championship, but he actually improved massively round by round because he opened with a 73. So he was 61st after round one. Then he shot three consecutive rounds of 67 and there was clear progress, 49th, 35th, 25th. And that sort of suggests that he's going to go on and maybe carry that into some form into next week. And and that's where I think it's kind of invaluable. Like, you know, like very often like before I was stubborn and sort of said, like, I don't really need that. Like I've got where they finished last week. I've got where they finished on this course for the last five years. Like I don't really need anything else. But it's it's that little bit of intricate detail that kind of says, well, actually, he did play well here last year. You just don't see it because he had one final round of 76 or whatever. Like Victor Hovland this week, is, he's got a 31st and a 30th here. But for the, on his debut, he was 10th after round three. Like You just wouldn't pick that up unless yeah, you're looking into this kind of resource. And, the, you know, the, there's definitely other places you can do it and things like that. And you could go on the OWGR website, see you shot a final round 76 and take that. Or you could just hover over a digit and it will tell you the answer. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's the difference. Um Stanley, because we've had the question uh, from Jason, it's, it's probably a good time to a bit of a segue. Subscription rates and the different types of subscriptions. What is the difference between a regular and a full subscription and what is the price difference? Uh, the prices this year, uh, I've simplified things to just to have the two subscriptions. One is a regular subscription, yeah. which is £80 for the year or £10 per month. And the full subscription is £200 for the year or £25 per month. Um, the difference between the full is it's unrestricted in terms of you've got access to the data on the website throughout the week um, and you can also copy the data and download it. Uh, should have had it ready by today but it's not today. Uh, CFS, C- CSV text yeah. downloads from the database um, queries that, so you can copy it into your Excel file and and manipulate the data. Um, The regular subscription doesn't allow that. So you can see the data, but you can't copy it. Um, That's a new one for this year. Um, I've had a number of cases this year, well, in the last year, where I found people have been subscribers, they paid a regular subscription, and I find that they're selling 
data, it's on their own websites, and I'm thinking, I'm not doing all this work. Yeah. So the, the the copy and paste, I know a lot of people do it, and it's it's what I would do myself. Yeah, you, you've got to pay a bit more for it. The other thing with a regular subscription is you can't get access to the subscription features between Sunday midnight and Monday 3 p.m. The, the basis for that is, well, as, as the sites become more popular, the, not just with punters, but obviously with, with bookies. Yeah. There's a lot of compilers. It's the first thing that, you know, I'm, I'm getting emails at 8 o'clock in the morning when, when the stats going to be ready. <laughs> so it, it's, for me, it's a case of life. If someone's using it for commercial purposes, I want them to pay more. And that can subsidise it for the people for whom it's not so urgent that they've got it on a Monday morning. Yeah. And that's... I that's the way I like to view it, and, and well, you know, it, it's it's I've, I've reduced the price a little bit in terms of that differential um, because of this the, the copy paste the download data elements. But it, it's trying to make sure that if it's commercial, you pay more. If you need the other stuff, you pay more. If it's just a resource that's going to help you get your bets on after Monday three o'clock, it's all that one pound fifty a week. You know, it's it's gonna work out over a whole year. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It won't have fifty a week, and I think, I think for me, like, I I mean, we have access and and things like that, but like, I wouldn't necessarily need to copy and have a CSV download because I don't make my own models, which I'm assuming is is part of the things people do. So they put it in an Excel spreadsheet, they'd make their own models and run that kind of data. The access restrictions is no access restrictions is great for me because I like to. And Jason, I know he likes to do his kind of research on a Sunday night, so we're kind of ready for Monday rather than trying to, you know, fit it in through Monday work and things like that. But like, for, I would say it's definitely for like American users, like that kind of little window between Sunday and Monday isn't going to affect them. So like, I, I think there is definitely a massive market for both sides of the thing. Even if you're paying two hundred pound for the full subscription, my maths is is not good enough to, to tell you how much that is a week off the top of my head. But you know, it, it's cheap. So. Either way, it's a great resource. There's everything there for that. Um, let's go, Stanley, into the... So we've already talked about kind of our favourite things that we already like. This probably is going to be a new favourite, I would have thought, um, the, the core setup database query. So on, on the on the homepage at the moment, people will see that you've got two weeks of free access to start 2023, uh, which is great. It's definitely a good time to, to have a look at you know the site itself figure out that it is something that you're going to use and then sign up after the two weeks. Um, but this course setup database query, um, Stanley, just go into that and what that includes and, and why that would change people's golf research each week. Yeah, this this um, this is this has been one that uh, I've had quite a few requests for over the year. Is basically what I've, I've, I've gathered is the part of the course, the yardage of the course for every single event going back 15 plus no more than 15 years now and but also for the architects and, and the, the the grasses on the green so the architects are the people who designed the course um, yeah. so i've not gone for renovations i could be ended with a list of about eight or ten different architects i'm after the first architect so this week it's uh, uh crenshaw and, and, and core isn't it for, uh, for a plantation course yeah and it, it's it it gives you a way to kind of find how people have performed on, on their courses. Uh, I think we've, we've used, not, they haven't designed many courses have been used on the PGA Tour, but what's much more prevalent is um, 
the grass is on the green. So obviously it's um, Bermuda grass this week. So you can tap in your player and find out how he's done on, on Bermuda grass. You can make it in comparison so you can find out how well they've done on Bermuda grass relative to the other primary uh, green grass, which is bent, bent grass, which is used. And you can see whether they're doing better or worse on, on that particular type. So it, it took a bit of setting up. Um, I've got the last five years fully complete for the PGA Champions Corn Ferry um, and the DP World Tour. And, and wow. I'll be adding them on as, as we go along thereafter, to be honest. It's, uh, it, it's something that's it's finding that time to do it. I know it's important. And... So yeah, sat down and gathered the data. It's it's relatively straightforward for the PGA tours, for the North American tours, um, the GCSA. Uh, they produce reports for most of the major events. It gets pretty difficult for the the DP World Tour. But I've been gathering this uh, for a few months now for all the other main tours as well. So you know whether it's the Asian PGA Tour, the Southern Africa Tour, or the Australasian tour. If, if, as much as I can, I'm trying to get it so it's it's universal. This isn't a site that isn't going to concentrate and just concentrate on the, on the PGA tour. There are plenty of betting opportunities on other tours, as, as Brad's already talked about. Give <laughs> help people get an edge on, on those tours where maybe they've not got as much focus in terms of getting the right odds of it. Or, or okay, um, then then that's what I'm trying to do. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think ultimately, like I have the question quite a lot, especially for things like DraftKings and things like that. Like people, like people will go into Twitter and they'll say, like, how good is Will Zalatoris on Bermuda versus Ben? And without me manually going through it or having different resources or whatever, I don't give them the answer. So I basically just say to them, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Like he has a a, a putting average that he sticks to throughout a week. I would say that he probably prefers tougher, faster greens, but I don't know the actual grass type. So this time, I can actually give people informed answers, or I can just tell them to sign up to source it, so I don't have to do that, um, is, is probably the best way to go. Um, but yeah, I think this course setup is going to be invaluable. I think that the the yardage, just knowing like week to week if it's not at elevation or something, like you know how good is someone between 7,300 and 7,500 if it's going to set up that this week or whatever. Uh, and just think, like, because you always hear, like, okay, uh, Dustin Johnson's going to perform well this week because he's a longer golf course. But we've seen over the years that he actually plays well on long golf courses, uh, short golf courses where he can kind of come down and things like that. So it's, it's a way of taking out all the hyperbolic stuff of, okay, Sam Burns is excellent on Bermuda and he can't put anywhere else. Like, it, those sort of things get thrown out quite quickly and, and not always strictly true. I think that one might actually be have some substance, but, you know, there's a classic example, I think, for that. Um, I think I think this comes into its own, especially when you've got, like, let's say, I really like that this might be a bad example. I don't know who set up LA Country Club. I haven't actually looked at it, but like, LA Country Club is is a new US Open venue, right, this year, and people don't know an awful lot about it. There'll be some data that you can find out from how well people play a specific par, whether it's par seventy one, par seventy two, how long the yardage is going to be, what type of greens they are. At least you've got a basis, Jason. I think for every single event even if you don't know a specific course. So you know they're good on, let's say they're bent grass greens at LA Country Club, you know they're good at bent grass greens, you know they're good under that certain architect, you know they're good at par 72s. And then you can go by that, and even if you didn't know anything else about the course, you've at least got somewhere to start. 
Yeah, yeah. You, you take, like I said, you take as much as you can from it. I mean, I'm looking at, at Scotty Sheffield, for example, on Tiff Eagle now, um, and it's 50% top tens throughout his career on uh, Tiff Eagle Bermuda. Now, but obviously you can take that. That's a starting point. You can then look into to every course um, if you like. You can then combine the yardages. Um, it's just, it's, again, it's another feature that just. As Stanley has done, he's just providing as much information that is possible, um, and you can use it as you want. And and this is just another addition to what has, you know, what's been you know, golf punters have used this site for many many years, and obviously new new golf bettors come on every year and may not be aware of where to go. And this is yet another I mean, for eighty quid. I mean, you know, you can even look at this, and 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 you know, it's got average score by round on various uh, grasses as well. So if you want to have a look at match betting on the final day, you can combine that with uh, the head-to-head, combine it with position by round, in and out of contention, Sunday supplement. Do as much as you want, as little as you want, and as much as you want. But it's just more information for, as he says, you know, £1.50 a week. It's madness, isn't it? It's not, it's you not spend what, sort of, do you know what I mean? Cost, cost of coffee's like, mm. you know, four quid. Yeah, I know. I had and, one this uh, morning. And, and you chuck it in the bin <laughs> halfway through because it's disgusting. And... Um, you know, you're thirsty again two hours later, hmm. and for, for you know one third of that, you have every possible resource in the world. Um, for you know, you're obviously interested in golf betting. That's why you listen to this. Um, every possible resource that will help you. Um, and I always say that that for me, a tipster's job in inverted commas, when they write a column, is um, and hopefully Ben backs me up this stuff next time we see him. Um, it is is not just to say. Right, back this person, this person, this person. The process of how they've got there is important, and people can take that and, and they can take it away and, and look at it themselves, use that evidence and look at it themselves. And, and this just provides everybody's got the same information as everybody else, you know. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just another addition. I, I'm not sure what else you can put on, but you know, I eagerly wait 2024. Yeah, well, I, th- I think there might actually be even more coming in 2023, so I won't, I, I don't know that for a fact, and I won't make Stanley uh. <laughs> Put his, put his head on the block there, but it, it sort of suggests that on the front page. So, but interesting enough, you say about Scotty Scheffler, like he's won four times uh, on the PGA Tour, including his Masters win. Three of them have come on Tiff Eagle Bermuda. It's just like I don't know that off the top of my head until I look at mm-hmm. it. Like Brad, that's kind of an invaluable. No, like, I'm reason. exactly the same as you. Yeah, I can remember that off the top of my head. This is I'm I'm incredibly excited to use this tool. Uh, this is literally. Uh, I think this has just completed it. I feel like it was already just um, had literally everything like, as you could ask for as a research tool for golf betting. But this is just like put the you know the cherry on top, as they say. Um, yeah, everything's there. I legitimately don't remember anything. So like when people talk to me, like, do you remember that shot that so and so hit on the 17th three years ago? No, I don't. No, no. Like I've got a memory of a fish do, as well when do, it comes do you, to it. Do you remember when? Like I remember when someone normally remember when someone has a breakdown. Normally when I've had money on it because it winds me up. But like I otherwise I don't remember things. Like I couldn't tell you. I mean I can tell you that Scotty Scheffler bogeyed that final hole on, when he won the Masters because Jason didn't like it, and and that's how I remember it. But I wouldn't remember it otherwise. Like. It, it's it's no. whereas you've got all this data here you don't i don't need to remember that scotty shepherd has won on bermuda gas three times out of four because it's in front of me so um this isn't just a let's pick up tour tips and advertise it as much as Not possible all, no. um this is this is a way of us one giving our process because i think i think that's one thing that we've done brad in in every program like jason said there like people can draw their own conclusions i think i think our the best part of this podcast is not 
you know, okay, we, we had a good amount of winners last year and that helped having the site and, and things like that. But I think giving people the information of how we got to there, like yeah. we looked at the we looked at the hidden form as I like to call it. We we've now gonna say, okay, we looked at the fact that they're good at Bermuda grass. We then looked at the fact of like location forms a good one for us. So we we used to mm-hmm. like that a lot, like Middle East and things like that. Like yeah. this is how we've got to that this part of it. If you decide that there's another goal for the fits on that category for you, I've I'm not gonna take the credit for it, but we've given you the information for you to draw up that conclusion. Like that's how I think is because you're not going to pick the winner every week. It's not possible to do that. But if you can tell someone how that eventual winner happened, then you've kind of done half the job, I think. Yeah, that's spot on. I agree with that. So I think I think for me that kind of covers. I mean, like Brad said, that there's so many things that you would use that you you know you don't know until you, you've done it. Um, but I think that kind of covers and encompasses what we've got coming up, what's been added to the site most recently. I think the biggest takeaway um, is the fact that it's free for the first two weeks of, of 2023. Like, go on there. Like, don't don't just take the podcast for it. Like, you don't have to. Like, you can actually go on the website, tourtips.com, with a hyphen in the middle of it, put it in, and, and just have a play around with it. Like, you will quickly learn what works for you, how it sets it apart from different golf stats and things that you read, and, and make your picks from there. And then we will go into you hear week to week how we get to our process we only do that from having the, the, the resource itself you can figure it out yourself and hopefully you still listen to us and you don't just take all the information from tour tips and then don't have to listen to us anymore but um you know it's it's there for you and we want to share that for you so i think that's a good segue into the tournament of champions it's a very very difficult week for a number of reasons, all the number of reasons that we talked about. One, the extended layoff. One, the fact there's only 39 people in the field. One, there's probably actually only 15 people that could win. Um, you know, it's a very tough event to um, break down. So I think what we'll do is we'll kind of go in, talk about what we've already talked about so far in this show already, go into the process of why we've done it, how we've got to the people we've got to, how important pre-Christmas was and post-Christmas was and things like that, and give us our picks. So John Rahm is the 13-2 favourite. Scotty Scheffler ten to one, Xander Schauffele eleven to one, with Justin Thomas and Patrick Cantlay the same price. Tony Finau sixteen to one, and then it's twenty to one and bigger the rest. Um, Jason, I will come to you first. Who was the kind of standout player for you at the top of the board? This was this was really really difficult. Yeah, I mean, it, it, <coughs> obviously the only one really well, there's two missing. One can't play because he's at live. Um, yeah. Cam Smith. And the other one is Rory. And I think, anyway, I've got my view on why he should play, but there we are. Well, let's, let's, let's not Rory's go... got too much money and might sue me. Um, let's, go, let's go into that, and, because it's a good point. I think he should be playing. I think, yeah. is, I think mm-hmm. I, firstly, it's, it's obviously a ridiculous, you know, we've got a very complicated commercial decision where it goes from set to, this is the 13th PGA Tour event of the season. Um, yeah, it's bizarre that you, you, you end with the Tour Championship, which is, you know, okay, whatever format, I don't like it, but it's not the point. It ends the season. Thank you very much. Here's our champion. Blah blah blah. We then kick on into the Fortinet, and then we go on. And this is this is the thirteenth event of the season. It's absolutely bizarre. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever to anybody logically. But you know, money counts, so that's what it is. Um, do I think Rory should be playing? Yeah, I think it's disgusting. I think um, it's not the first time he's he's not played this event. He's now basically champion of the world. I think he's only played uh, it once, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. I think he was ninth. I think he's the, um, you know, he is. I would guess 
behind Tiger, probably the most well-known golfer in the world. He, he speaks fantastically. Whether you agree with him or not, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He speaks fantastically on behalf of the PGA Tour when he's, when he's uh, interviewed. He's enthusiastic. He's quite happy to go and uh, piss about on a match, a silly little match that he had with Tiger, Jordan mm-hmm. and JT. Uh, he's quite happy to do this, get involved in this new business with this, you know, hit the ball into the lights or whatever it is, silly nurse with Tiger. And he should be turning up at a tournament that is there for champions of the last year. Mm-hmm. This is just winners of tournaments. We, we we already know that half of this lot can't win. We know that. But they are winners of tournaments. Well, you know, it's funny Bradley, you should say you know, that because it's not all now, is it? It's not no, all. No, no, no. No, no. Yeah. But, it, you know, that's 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 what it is. Yeah. And, and as somebody who was quite happy to play the tour championship, take the 300 billion pounds or whatever it is that was available, not that he needed it. I'm yeah. sure that wasn't the motivation, but was over the moon to be champion of the world, both here and over there. He should be playing this event. I don't care about travel issues. Not really bothered. They've got a decent life. Don't worry about it. He should be playing. Yeah. So this has been added as one of 13 elevated events this season. Yeah. So you've He's got, got to stay the other 12. Yeah. You've got, Four majors, the players, three FedEx events, Genesis Bay Hill Memorial, the match play, this, and then Phoenix Heritage, Wells Fargo, and the Travellers. So he's got to play Phoenix Heritage Travellers. So he's happy to play all those three, but he's not happy to play the tournament champions. It's it's a it's a bizarre decision. Now the only thing I would say is that the tournament champions, Brad, has been a little bit watered down in the fact that they've now lit in and I think they did this post COVID as well, they've lit in people that just made the tour championship. Yeah. Saw that. Um, I was just shot by that myself. Um, and I only learned that only a few weeks ago. I was like, what yeah. is this? Um, they've, they've done that. And I think they've also added, like, I don't think you used to get, like, the winners of the opposite field events in this either. So I think it had to be, like, a full, like, 500-point FedEx event or whatever that they won. Hmm. Um, so so there's definitely been watered down a little bit. Yeah. No, can I just say, I've got to agree with everything jason just said on rory i fully expect him to play and he should be playing and especially with everything you know with live coming about um last year you'd think that he has to play you know and he's putting on such a front like the pga tour man and all that and he doesn't show up for this this one it's uh yeah it's, it's not good darts in my opinion my, my only theory was that he you know the whole like the biggest thing for live players that they hid behind was them saying they could basically play a limited schedule and i almost think that like he's basically saying look i still don't have to play that event despite the fact it's an elevated event it's, it almost feels like a, one of those but like jason's already said he has to then go and play all the others so it kind of loses credit but then he's putting himself above everyone else all the other big names like ron but um, i think he does do that i think i think yeah, he is that person why should he do that That's just... so i think he is and jason's already said behind tiger woods he is the most important i actually would say at the moment in what well, he's the most important golfer in the world like and mm-hmm. Second best known, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely second best known. I think he's the most like the most impactful at the moment. I know Tiger Woods will always win the Pip, and he'll always like people care whether he plays the hero and, and all that sort of stuff, whereas no one else matters. But like, he has the most impact in the sense of like he can leverage what happens with Live. He can get these elevated events. He can do all that sort of stuff. So he has to tread very very carefully, and I think he does pull back a lot on some comments because of the mistakes that he's made in the past like signed up for like Jameer and stuff and, and that was run by you know whoever and, and think, I'm not going to dive into that sort of stuff but like he 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 has got he's walking a tightrope at the moment because everything he says 
is used. And like it, it is interesting enough that the the most important story of this week is the two players that are not there. Is 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 Roy McIlroy and Cameron Smith? Cameron Smith, fine, he's made that decision. He's not here, but like Rory's chosen not to play it, whereas Cameron Smith can't play it. Um, and then the only other player outside the top twenty that's not playing is Shane Lowry. Who do people want to see? If if you're going to start opening up to people that got into the into the Tour Championship, would we not would we not rather see like Shane Lowry there rather than Aaron Wise? I'd, I'd, like it, it just feels like a bit of a weird extension like it kind of yep. feels like they're trying to make tour championship more important like, i remember every single player i spoke to on, on when we did the early podcast it was always you know you've had a good year if you got to Kapalua. like they they literally said if i start my year at Kapalua, it means i've had a good season the year before uh, that's that was their benchmark and now it doesn't seem to really matter i've not answered your question tom sorry go on Answer, answer the who question. Like, who, do like? who do you like? Well, anyway, what, Stanley got an opinion on this, <laughs> and then I'll go into who I fancy from top. Yeah, is it anything you'd like to add to that kind of discussion there, Stanley? No, I, I'm, I'm entirely in agreement. I think that uh, it would have been great for the PGA Tour to just show how strong the field was behind the world number one there, and they can't because he, he's chosen not to. I, I think I read that it, it confirmed in November he was going to play, but it was a late decision not to. He he can actually lose world number one this week as well. He's a world number one, and and you know he's going to do what he wants to do. And and but but I think we're generally right. I think the PGA Tour is generally downgrading this event somewhat from being the highlight of the year and and more towards the the playoffs and and the Tour Championship. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. I think they've got so much financial support from FedEx that they kind of have to make it all about that like they're, they're relying on those kind of sponsors um as opposed to century who's who sponsors this or whatever so uh yeah definitely an interesting discussion on the actual event there itself but the thing will be interesting in 2024 when it does become the first event of the year yeah what what the approach will be then in terms of these elevated events absolutely i think i think there's i think this year there's going to be an awful lot like, there were the, the biggest change happened last year, but there's going to be some real intricate changes this year and things that, like, fallouts from certain things. Like, the Masters has already confirmed that the Live players are going to play, etc. Like, there's going to be something that happens this year that's going to make a massive domino effect. There's going to be a, a still a player that goes over there or something. It's going to be a really important year. And then 2024, like you say, it's all going to be kind of shaken up again. So it's definitely still an interesting couple of years ahead for golf. Um, Jason, coming back to, to the original question, mate. Um, well, right, okay, so I'll answer it very, very quickly. So, well, John Rahm's obviously a well-deserved favourite. Yeah. I mean, he's absolutely flying. Um, the difference between him and him finishing uh, sort of just a top 10 and maybe some of the others is that he's got his putting bang on now. Um, we know what John Rahm is. There, there aren't any secrets. He's absolutely world-class. His temperament, he seems to control now. Um, I still think there's little bits there, but it's not going to happen this week. Um, you know, he's flying. Look at his, his T green stats are amazing. Um, he found 14 shots, 10 shots and, and nine in his last three. That includes the DP Worlds. Putting's bang on. Loves it here. You know, played five times, got two runners up. Should have won, I think, uh, on debut, I think. Um, but he's got two runners up. He's got seventh, eighth and tenth, which obviously sounds more impressive than, than but you know, um, but it, it's not as impressive as it had been 155 runner field. But nevertheless, yeah. Um, he's a well-deserved favourite. I, I can take him on, and I've taken the chance with um, Schuffler and Scheffler. 
um, <laughs> just because they sound like thermos listers. No, I, 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 lo- I like them. You know, I, I've always liked um, both of them. You know that. Um, Scotty Scheffler's bang on each way, 28 to 1. Um, are now gone. We we were discussing him at 28, 33, 35 to 1 before he won a tournament. Yeah. Knowing that, you know, he's got an unbelievable tee to green game. Um, look, we know his issues. Again, there's very little secrets about any of these. A- any of the ones that are unexposed, like Tom Kim's and people like that. I'm not saying Tom Kim can't win on day because I think he can because I think he's unbelievable. But um, you generally don't. You generally need a run round here. There's plenty of player interviews that say it's really good to learn. Uh, not only, obviously, they're wide enough. They're wide enough fairways. But you still have to you have to get your approaches right. There's huge greens. So greens in regulation is is you know not as relevant as it might be. Um, you are talking about putting and and they talk about. I know it's been redone a couple of years ago. <coughs> um, you still need putting is important, and that's where you're going to say yeah, but Scotty can't putt. Um, and the only thing I'd say is I'm quite happy to give Scotty 72 chances of getting a birdie, and I think he will virtually have that. Um, the only thing that's letting him down is his putting at the moment. Um, at Mayakoba, he took the old putter out again for the weekend. He said it was the end of the season, basically. He was going to mess about, fiddle around a bit. He hit 68-62 of his old putter uh, at Mayakoba. So that gave him something to think about. I believe that his defeat of the Tour Championship, uh, I thought he got progressively worse through that event. Uh, and that was, uh, for whatever reason, he just wasn't performing. Rory was coming. Everybody else was coming. His form went. I believe that defeat took a lot out of him. Um, he knows he should have won it. Um, or, you know, the actual FedEx yeah. points thing, whatever, yeah? Yeah. yeah I'm not saying he should have, but he knows he should have won it. Um, I think they took it out of him. Mike Ober, he seemed back to back to some sort of um, uh, top-class form. Houston was, was okay. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and then he's come back out, and he was uh, second at the Hero. Um, <coughs> might be irrelevant, might be not. Not, but from 2012 to 2020, every winner has played in the hero. Now, it's four top-class players. This is the top-class players. So there aren't many that miss out. Um, I think Lowry, Kisner and Fleetwood are the only ones that miss out from the hero to here. So, you know, nevertheless, it shows that he's in form. He's in form in top-class company. His Tita Green stuff is still fabulous. It's there in front of you again. It's on tour tips. You know, Tita Green, seventh at the British Open, seventh at the BMW, third in the Tour Championship purely the part of the let him down in a short game and he was 13 to green at Houston he can hit the ball, he's accurate, he knows how to attack and with Stanley's brand new feature, hmm. I can tell you that on 22 um, events on Tiff Eagle he's finished in the top 10, 50% and I think it's, uh, I've lost the page, but it's 8 times out of 22 that he's finished in the top 5, that includes the world match play that he's won and been second at, Phoenix that he's won and in 7th at and the Arnold Palmer it's not a great price, but it's a 29-man field that only 10 can win. I'm on Scotty. Yeah, I think I think there's all all very good reasons there, and I think also the fact that he can actually get back to world number one this week uh, with Rory's absence. I think he's got to finish in the top three to do so. I think it's a really important start of the season for Scheffler because I think that, like like you mentioned, he kind of tailed off at the end, kind of run out of steam. Had had big, you know, massive starts of the season. You know, one of the best runs of anyone ever um, in a short period of time. Kind of fulfilled all the potential that that he had, right? And then it kind of well, it didn't go south. Like it's, that's a ridiculous thing to say because he wasn't that bad. But like 
it changed the second half of the season. He couldn't keep it up. Does he now keep himself at the top five in the world rankings for the entirety of 2023, or can he be leapfrogged quite quickly? Like that, there's there's going to be players that come behind him. Finau's been playing incredibly well. Sung Jim's playing well. Like, I think that you know you got your Cantlay's, the Shoffleys. I mean, the likes of Cameron Smith and that are surely going to drop out because of you know the, the live things and stuff like that. So there's places up for grabs in that world ranking. You got Zalasaurus if he comes back to. To, to fitness, Matt Fitzpatrick seems to change his you know game with the with the driver and stuff. So I think it's more competitive again than ever. Even with taking those kind of live guys out, that he's going to be looking over his shoulder a bit if he doesn't get off to a hot start. So I think there's plenty of motivation beyond just winning the tournament champions. Plus the fact it's an elevated you know event. I don't care what any of these players say about it not being for the money. If you can come here and and win the winner's prize of twenty million dollar event. Uh, you'll be pretty happy. So I think there's definitely a lot... I think that's... I've got nothing to quantify this. Um, I think that's why we're not seeing as many long shot winners because everything is worth a bit more than it used to be. Like You could go to an event and go, it's not really worth a lot of money. I'll just play around and and focus for next week. Whereas everything seems to be worth a bit more money. Uh, You kind of get the classier winners. So I definitely think it's going to be one from the top. Um, So Scheffler and Shoffele for you from the top. Brad, uh, your favourite from the top? Uh, I agree with Jason. Uh, Rahm is a worthy favourite. I, I think you've got to take him on. I think you can make an argument for Scheffler, Scheffler, um Thomas and Cantlay. I, and I have chosen Cantlay as my guy from the top. Um, it just strikes me as the type of player that doesn't give himself much time off. And that probably explains why he usually plays so well coming off the break. And I'll refer back to tour tips and the consecutive weeks. Um, that I only discovered for the first time today. <laughs> and but that helped me um, to see that he is um, play, does play very well coming off the break. Uh, the last time we saw him was at the Shriners, where he finished tied second uh, behind Tom Kim. Um, and, yeah, worth noting, that was also off a six-week tournament break. Um, there was some President Cup action in between, um, but either way, uh, he finished his year in excellent form. Three top five finishes and a win in his last seven starts. Um, I think he's going to come into this event raring to go. Uh, he's got all the tools to win it. He's played Capilla four times before finishing fourth, twice, 13th and 15th. Uh, so I think that's some pretty impressive course form. Uh, he never really strikes me as the player that puts best on Bermuda. Um, I've got to admit, I did not use the tool today as I didn't know it was ready to go um, but so I will be back um, checking that but um, from my knowledge um, he doesn't really strike me as the best putter on Bermuda but he's gained strokes putting on these greens on every visit in 2020 he gained 4.75 strokes putting which shows what he's capable of doing on these greens um, and away from putting he's been excellent tee to green like we know he's got all the shots if it were to get a bit windy which is the only real defence as I said earlier um he can he can definitely have the shots to deal with that. Um, he's ranked second in the field in birdies or better percentage in his last 24 rounds. We, can, we all know that we're going to need birdies to win this. Um, and I just think he's in for a big year. I can envision him finally winning that major, uh, getting that monkey off his back. Um, I can see him get off, off to the perfect start this week. Um, there was the, a really good price about him early on. Uh, I took him in the free place market of bet 365 each way extra that price has come in a lot and the best price now is uh 11s um with six places with sky bet i think that's fine with me so, yeah, yeah. I, I still think that's fine i think that 
One of the important things you mentioned there with Patrick Cantlay is the major performances, right? Like he finished ninth at the Masters in 2019, third in the PGA, 14th in the US Open last year, eighth in the Open. Other than that, it's been pretty... Yeah, decent amateur effort at the US Open in 2011. He was 12th in the Open in 2018. Like he's had, he's had decent finishes, but like other than that little run at the Masters in 2019, the run at the PGA, it's never felt like he's going to win one. Um, mm. Until like St Andrews, he looked like he was putting himself in a really promising position last year. And I think, I think that's the difference for him. Like he's a, he's a number four player in the world without having these outstanding major finishes. And he kind of gets considered yeah. this kind of flat track bully. But when you actually look at some of his wins, like the, the BMW Championship wins that he's had, Memorial twice, like they're they're mm-hmm. really high caliber events. Like you look at the people he beat, you beat Adam Scott's win Memorial, beat John Rahman, Justin Thomas win the Zozo, beat Colin Morikawa's win the Memorial second time. Obviously that was probably stolen from John Rahm. Beat Bryce at the BMW, we'll know what happened there. Beat John Rahm at the Tour Championship. Like he he just beats high caliber players oh. often. Um, so really, really good. I can tell you that he's got a great record at the Heritage, uh, which is Tiff Eagles and Uda. Um, So that is one place he has done well there, apart from this golf course as well. So definitely a good thing to look at. Um, Stanley, anyone for you at the top of the board? Uh, I, I can't really see beyond John Rahm at the top, I must admit. Yeah. Um, like I say, Sheffield's form, yeah, it looks like it's returning, but, you know... When he was at the top of the game, he absolutely would deserve much shorter odds. The rest of the pack behind them, I can throw, you know, yeah. I don't think there's much to be Thomas Cantley, and so on. I, when I can look at getting 13 to 10 odds on John Rahm, top five finish against that field, I, I think that's 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 probably where I'd put some money on it. But I don't generally like looking at the top of the field. I, I, I'll admit that straight away. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we're, we're kind of the consistent thing we have week to week is we tend not to look at this part of the board. Um, he's never finished outside the top 10 here. He's had two runner-up finishes, 7th, 8th and 10th. Um, there was a quote that he basically said that he finds the wind and the greens difficult here, um, which is funny because when you look at his Tiffany Bermuda stuff on tour tips, that's not quite the case. Um, but I think he's basically saying look like the wind gets to him. But for someone that's finished second here twice and including his debut, I think he's probably okay. I saw that quote as well, and I was thinking, wait a minute, look at your bloody course record. Yeah, like I, I, I almost feel like with with John Rahm, and I, and I like John Rahm. I think he's great. I think sometimes he almost puts like something out there, the week of or whatever, to kind of quieten the noise a bit. Like he he shot a sixty one here in the third round last year to take the 54-hole lead and lost to Cameron Smith on that final day. He finished second here on debut. Like, there is absolutely no reason that he can't win this event. Um, it, it's just, I, I sometimes feel like he kind of tries to take the pressure off himself by saying something. I don't know if that's necessarily true, yeah. um, but but something I've kind of thought. Um, it was Cantley for me. Like, I think, I think for him, really, it's like, you're just looking at the course form. He's got those two fourth place finishes. Even the other times he's he's been inside the kind of top seven a couple of times, um, going into the later rounds. So, to me, like I think he's I think he's perfect for this. I don't think if he gets to thirty under, he seems to struggle a little bit. But like he generally can shoot a low one, and that is what is required here. So you look at kind of his wins: twenty seven under at that BMW with Bryson, twenty three under at Zozo, twenty one under at the Tour Championship. Like he can get to the number that he needs to get to. Uh, to win this so do like Patrick Cantley 
Second bracket, I think is I don't I don't want to go one by one this time. Um, but for me, my probably my favourite pick of the week is Sung J M. Um, I just think that the way he finished last season was great. I think I can't remember if it was in our message thread or somewhere else that I read on Twitter that like when you think about the female kind of hoovered up those wins, but Sung J M also quietly had second place finishes and third place finishes during that little run. Um, but two two top eight finishes here in two starts. He finished fifth uh, on debut, never outside the top six in, in all four rounds. And then he was fourth going into the final round last year uh, and finished eighth then. So to me, everything kind of suggests that Sun JM is going to play well here again. I think because Tom Kim's come along, um, and not to make kind of a lazy comparison, but like I think because he's come along, there's been a little bit less hype around Sun JM. I think it'll ramp up again pretty quickly. But like, Second at the 3M, second at the Wyndham, second at the Tour Championship based on the 72-hole scoring, seventh at the Shriners when he should have finished a little bit better. Played fine at the Hero World Challenge uh, most recently as well. Bounced back from a poor 74 opening round. So, to me, like he looks primed for a really good week. Um, and Brad, I think you, you like San James as well. Yeah, no, I really like him this week. Um, echo everything you just said. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, he's obviously evidently a fan of Kapalua. Um, and unlike Cantlay, Sanjay is one of those players I do target on Bermuda Greens. Um, and yeah, looking back at the stats, like he arguably should have won this. Um, like he, he led the field two to green on his debut and he lost over three strokes putting, which is really like, uncharacteristic of him. Um, but then the year after gained over two strokes putting. Um, but what's good is on his last seven starts, he's gained on the greens. Um, so he should be coming into this with some good confidence with the flat stick. And as we've all said, you're going to need a hot putter this week. So that'll be really important. Um, and yeah, I just sometimes I forget how young Sanjay is. Hmm. Like he's only 24, um, but he has so much experience behind him now. I think this is his fourth or fifth year on tour, um, but he's just developed a consistent all-round game that just looks ready to step up a notch this coming year and sort of cement his place amongst the elite because he's been on the cusp of it for quite a while now and uh, yeah I feel like this is a, a good spot for him and I'm excited to chance him I'm actually surprised that he's never been higher than 16th in the world rankings like mm-hmm. considering how often he, maybe it's because of how often he plays he hurts himself or he used it the first couple of seasons where he'd like the divisor I, I don't even pretend to understand world rankings and things like that but that must be what it was because I I'm just think of, by that as well yeah I didn't know that was I thought it had been lower than that like um, I looked at him as 19th at the moment I was like that seems low for him but that's actually like right around his best I mean like Billy Horschel was above him Cameron Young's above him like Cameron mm-hmm. Young at 16th now is the highest Sung James ever been and Sung James won multiple times like it I don't this uh, again this will be another whole podcast we start talking about the OWGR uh, rankings but that to me seems pretty wild that uh, that's real. He's, he's never finished higher than that. Uh, Stanley, any thoughts on Sung J.M.? Uh, I mean, total agreement. It, 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 he's, like, like you said before, Tom Kim coming in, taking all the pressure off. It's hidden the fact he, he's been, well, I'd say, was it three top, three second place finishes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last half of uh, 2022. That's, that's fantastic performances. And yeah, it's certainly looks the best of the next bracket for me. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, any any sort of closing statements on Sung Jay before we move on? No, I, I, look, I like Sung Jay. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, my only concern with him is, I'm, I'm not denying his ability, his talent or anything. He just seems to plod. Yeah. 
but you look at somebody like Xander, who we did discuss, it's fine. Uh, when he won, he came from, I think it was fourth after the third round. Um, hit, hit and he's done it before. Um, Sanjay Im, every time I'm on, just seems to be fifth. And then he's you'll get paid a place. But he just doesn't win. And, and I, I, I don't know, can't explain it. Um, that's just my only issue. Having said that, having said that, in an event where we can only consider probably half the field, 21 or whatever you've got, 22 is, yeah. is, is very fair each way. I mean, you're going to get paid. Uh, that's my only concern. I'm not sure if he, he, he wins, but we've seen him at this price in full fields as well um, on some of his favoured courses. So it's, uh, mm. it's, it's not an issue. I, I can't argue against the price. I'd, I'd have him a little bit shorter because I wouldn't want to lay the, the five places. Yeah, I think I think with Sanjay in terms of like winning equity, I, I just I guess to a certain extent he's capped by like driving distance. So to an extent he's got to play perfectly to win. I know like that that is generally the case most weeks on the PJ Tour, but like there's certain players that can just bomb it and, and get away with a bad drive because they're so close to the hole. Whereas Sanjay generally relies on that bit more of accuracy. Same with Tom Kim. Um, maybe that's just a little bit of that. Uh, maybe it is just a little bit of he's a little bit greener and younger than, you know, we kind of remember. Um, you know, he's won twice, lost uh, in a playoff as well. So he's already got kind of close to three wins. He's only 24 years of age and he's come second in the Masters. Like, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's wild, isn't it? So it it's is. tough, isn't it? It's tough to know. I um, mean, on reflection, he's probably asking himself how he hasn't won more. You know, I mean, with them, them three runner-up finishes, like Stanley said, in his last eight starts... 2022 yeah right, so he's come close <laughs> i'm trying to think though like should he have should he have won any of those like i'm pretty sure the 3m you run into tony fee now yeah uh, i don't think he throws it away i don't know he throws doesn't anything get, away doesn't get close just, enough i no. don't know it's like it's like a one pace three mile chaser or something that just doesn't <laughs> get there because he's just can't quicken <laughs> it just it's i love sun dream i'm not as i say no problem no problem with a bet this week it's just I don't know if he's got that va va you know, if he needs it. You know, if you've got three, if you've got three players that are pulled clear of the field, for example. I'm not sure I'd pick him over over two of the many of the names above him. Wasn't there like three players that got thirty, like they cleared the thirty odd under barrier last year? Like basically, what you're saying is, if if he was one of those three, he'd be the one that kind of backed off. No, I don't think back off. I don't think back off. I just think he'd make par where somebody will make birdie I yeah. just don't think it will be him um, but you know look it's just opinion isn't it yeah, you've got to have an opinion mate that's what we're on here for isn't it so um, going into the kind of let's say 30 to to 50 range um, Stanley is there anyone that kind of stands out to you as, as the next best bet uh, well that's where I'm looking for Zalatoris yeah uh, absolutely great price at, at 33. It's absolutely borne on on his back injury. Yeah. And, and so therefore it's a punt in terms of he is fit enough. And if he is fit enough, it, he yeah. should be, it shouldn't be anywhere near those odds. He's got a very good game for this course. It's a course where you you like we talked about earlier. You have got to be really good tee to green. And if you get a hot week on, on the greens, you win. If you don't. You should be top five and get a place, if nothing else. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think that, that's the standout one for me when I saw the price. I thought it's, I thought it's much too high. I, I thought but, the same. I thought the same about Zalatoris, and 
my concern, my only concern, I guess, is like if it does get to twenty five under, does he make enough putts? Um, is is of the obvious concern. I guess that's factored in with with the the back injury on the thirty three to one. I would say he's probably played like coming back from injury quite smartly. It seems to be that he's taken off enough time to recover. He obviously won the St Jude, one of his like more recent starts uh, in August. I think. I think it's promising. Like that was obviously on Bermuda. It was champion Bermuda rather than Tiff Eagle, but it was on champion Bermuda. Um, I think for me, with Zalasaurus, he's got married just over the Christmas period as well. I think that's, and so did Sungjae actually, which is an interesting note. Um, I think that we're going to learn where Zalasaurus is. I think he, I think he's been smart. And I think there's two players in this range, Zalasaurus and Hideki, that needed that break for Christmas time. As to recover from injuries. Hideki's had a yeah. neck injury, Zalatoris had a back injury. They're both here at 33 to 1 Zalatoris, 40 to 1 Hideki. If you, if you were told this time last year that Hideki was 40 to 1 in a 39 man field on a course where he's finished, what, second, third, and whatever he's done before, um, you'd, you'd be biting your hand off. So I know he's been terrible like going into Christmas. And this is where, Brad, where we were talking about kind of how important this pre-Christmas form is. Because if you look at Hideki's most recent starts, you're not betting on him. But if you look at the fact he's finished third, second and fourth, his first three starts here, mm-hmm. and he's probably had time to really get over that neck injury that he hadn't had before, plus the the live rumours are quieted down, two very distracting things. Mm-hmm. It could be it could be a really good time for Zanatoris and Hideki, especially it's not like they're going to be hacking it out of tough rough and things like that. Like it's an easygoing course to start the year. No, exactly. I mean, as we said earlier, it works both ways. You know, they're giving them enough time to sort of just recoup, get over their injuries, um, just, you know, take a bit of time off. And who knows? It's a, it's a gamble. I mean, it's always a gamble, whoever you bet on. But they could come back um, really refreshed, ready to go, more ready to go than any anyone else in the field. Um, and, yeah, and it will look like a silly price come the end of the week uh, on both of them, both Salatoris and Matsuyama. So, yeah, I think... Why not? You know, the, the, the value's there. It's just, you just don't know, do you? It's just the unknown. But it's like that with a lot of these players. Um, it's tough. It's a tough event. <laughs> yeah, right. I completely agree. Um, looking now in this kind of price range is the two players that are the perfect profile of how much does pre-Christmas form matter in the sense that you've got Brian Harmon at starting his season 15th, 23rd, 2nd, 2nd, going into uh, the end of 2022, and Seamus Power 1st, 3rd and 5th. Um, I'll come to you first, Jason. We we were going sort of back and forth from Brian Harmon and Seamus Power earlier. Is it Power that you're going with? It was Power, yeah. I, I, I like it, and I like he's he's about 19 to 10 for a top 10 as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I think in this field, I'm quite happy. Um, I, I look, I, I absolutely agree with, with Stanley on Zalatoris. I mean, we we're all huge fans of him, and and if he is right, that that is a ridiculous price. Um, it is the back injury. I, I want to see that he can he can get around 72 holes and putt first. But yeah, you know it's uh, it's not an issue. I've gone with Powell because I think he is right. Um, he's the best he's ever been. He was ranked 429 at the end of 2020. He's now ranked uh, I think in the top 30 of the OWGR. Um, it's absolutely remarkable. Um, you know, he, he, I don't think he's done anything particularly spectacular either. Um, we've always liked Power. We like his guts. Um, in terms of class, is he classy enough? His first year on as a, as a, a uh, qualified for all four majors, he was uh, top ten in the PGA, top twelve at Beth Page, and top thirty in the Masters. So that's no problem. 
Um, he's won, obviously, on Bermuda. He's won the Bermuda Championship. He's played well at the RSM, which links him in with uh, Cam Smith and uh, Harris English, who were both top five, I think, at the RSM um, the season before they won this. He's got a fourth and a fifth like that, so that, that's basically matching them. Um, he's got top ten at Pebble. He's got a third at the Sony, which might be more relevant next week, should he play well this week. Yeah. Um, uh, and and quite honestly, um, he's just playing well. On his debut here, when he was 15, he would never have had, you know, it must have been some sort of um, little bit of a shock, I suppose, um, playing in that field, because obviously he hadn't, he hadn't played any of the majors yet. Um, he had a slight negative on putting. I think it was 0.8, which is no problem at all, But because we, we know he can putt on the greens anyway. He was 15th tee to green, so he was midfield. I expect him to improve this year, I mean, almost as much as, as he has on the course. And there we are, you know, he's finished first, third and fifth. At Mexico, he was in front of um, Scotty, he was in front of Hovland, he was in front of Morikawa. He's got, no, he's got no fear of these players now. And there was a bit of 45 earlier on, um, which I managed to get. Uh, I, I'd say I, I'm going to wait for the top 10s as well to come out. But yeah, I, I like Seamus Power. I, I, yeah, that's it. Job done. Yeah. I think I think with power, and this is kind of what I said, and, and you've covered the, the major part already. Like we we have to view him as a different golfer. And I listened to a podcast on him where, like you said, not much has changed. It hasn't. Like he said that he was basically using one of the like seeming like GC quad or, or Trackman or whatever, and he was focusing on a wrong data point or like he was following blindly following data rather than actually looking at the shot shape or something like that. And then a new instructor to come in, completely change his game, and that's it. And it's almost like that's all it took, which is really concerning if you know if that is all it took. But you look at it, 27th for the Masters, 9th for the PGA, 12th for the US Open. He's played twice at the players, 35th and 33rd. Okay, nothing major, but like he's making cuts and finishing the top, you know, quarter or whatever. Quarter final of the match play in his first appearance last year. Like he has shown that he can hang with this field and that that's important. Then you go to the fact that he was 15th here last year, um, as you've already sort of referenced. And that was after opening with a 71 and being 25th after round one, wasn't he? So he then shot a 65 second round, went into the top 10, 69, 67. So he didn't keep up with the pace of the 30 under score or whatever towards the end of the weekend. But like he was, he was there for the first 36 holes, even after a slow start. Um, I think he can get to that kind of low-scoring number if he needs to. He's, he's been 21 under and 19 under the, the two times that he's won. His best stuff isn't going to show up on, on the strokes gain statistics because, um, you know, the, the two events that he's played well in prior to Christmas weren't strokes gains uh, tracked. They were the Bermuda and, and the Mayakoba. He was excellent ball striking um, at Mayakoba uh, without winning as well. So I think, to me... And Brad, I think you're in agreement as well. Like Seamus Power is probably the, the outsider we all like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm trying to find anything that I've, that I, um, I've missed there. Um, but no, he's just, yeah, I think he's the one, uh, the one out in that range that could possibly spring a surprise. Um, it was, it was excellent last time out on the RSM at the RSM Classic, where he finished fifth, uh, ranks third on approach, approach, sorry, fifth tee to green. Um, trying to see what else. Uh, obviously, you already said putts well on Bermuda. Um, can definitely compete in birdie fests. Uh, ranked third in the field for birdies, a better percentage in his last 24 rounds. And yeah, I just fancy he can carry the form over. He just seems like he's up on such an upward trend. 
like a bit of a late bloomer and I just I can just see him getting better and better and I fancy him to carry on over this week. It just seems like a good course for him as well. Obviously that fifteenth on debut um helps by knowing that. But I mean you look at all he loves he loves a course by the sea, doesn't he? Um and he got that third at the Sony Open um at the start of last year. Yeah. Um, and after some underwhelming results there, uh, which I always thought he would be a good good course for him. Um, but then he finally got that third. Um, it is tough to envision him winning. Um, but, yeah, I, I think at 40 to 1, there's enough there, like each way value. Um, I think you never know. He could, he, he might just win it. I think he's, I think he's got so much more self-belief now than he has done um, in previous years. And uh, I think he, he realises he's, he warrants where he should be, you know, in this in this type of field. So, yeah, I, I I think he's a good bet this week. I think it's hard to say what his final upside is. Like, I don't know that he's a top ten player in the world. Um, maybe he's top twenty and that's as high as he gets. Twenty eighth is the highest he's been so far. Um, but it's just the fact that he's, you know, you said about the third at the Sony. He's, he was in the quarterfinals at the match play. He's been top 10 and top 12 in the, the two majors last year. Like, if he finishes top five in this, that, that's a good result, right, for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you get some each-way money. Stanley, when you track, like, the stats like this, does someone like Seamus Power just stand out as someone that's, like, like a completely different player? Do we still have kind of what he was three or four years ago in our head and we have to kind of almost blank that out because he seems like a completely different player? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's how he finished last year. He, he certainly is. He's, he's certainly stepped up that level, whether it's the game, whether it's confidence, whether it's the you know, mental side of the game, whatever it is. It, it, it just looks it, it just looks like a top 10 player in, in the making, absolutely, at the moment. The thing for now is to see, does it continue that? We can look at lots of players who've had purple patches of several months or six months or whatever and, and they've looked well this, yeah it looks great now i, I think yeah. um yeah I, I, i'll reserve judgment until sort of let's say you get to easter but he certainly looks an extremely it's, good player it's another player it's, it's, it's gonna be tough because this is last season was like the first time he'd played in a lot of these events. So his first time playing in the tournament championship, first time he'd have played in majors, as Jason's already referenced, first time he's played in match play, first whatever. Like he's going to be seeing all these courses for the second time. So if he improves on his performances at all of these events, like if he goes to the Masters and finishes 14th after finishing 27th last year, and he and he goes and fin- obviously the others rotate in majors, but like. He goes to Sawgrass this year and finishes top twenty, and he goes mm-hmm. to this event and finishes eighth instead of fifteenth. Like all of a sudden, you're seeing a emerging trend of like, right, he's a cha- he's a change player. He's gone and posted all these decent finishes on first look. He's now come back and he's improved on those. Then mm-hmm. I think you start to see a sign of what Seamus Power is. So you're either going to be almost early on him and take him at forty to one in in a limited field, in a, or say limited in a small field. Um, and knowing that if he plays well, he's going to go to half that at the Sony Open, or you take a chance that he doesn't have a great week and, and it just keeps going three or four weeks into it and you try and catch him again at a big number. It's it's a mm. fine balance of what's going to happen with Seamus Power. It's yeah. worth noting also, like when he when he did win the Bermuda Championship, he was in terrible form. It was a real rough patch of form. He was missing cuts. He was finished like 50th, 60th, whatever. And so it did just come out of the blue and it sort of sparked him into life for that good finish, you know, where he finished third and fifth. Um, and also, he's got to be having the Ryder Cup in his mind 
Uh, so that's yeah. extra motivation for him. Um, so yeah, there are, there's a lot to like. Yeah, absolutely. Jace, you're going to sort of... No, I was just going to make the point that Matt Vincenzi says, um, obviously your your colleague on our um, uh, DraftKings um, thing and my colleague on Golf WRX, Um, Matt has always said about certain players, um, he's waiting to see if they regress to the mean. That's uh, that's one of his favourite phrases. And and I agree, and and Stanley brought that up, and it's, it's entirely possible. That that is a purple patch, and, and off he goes again. I mean, I'm amazed that he's in the top 30 in the world. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I I don't think his results justify that at all. Um, doesn't take away the you know that I I I'd take the chance with him this week. Um, but there's every possibility that we don't see anything from him in six months. Equally, there's every possibility that um, you know he has three top tens in the next three months, and and as you know, ends up in the top 20. Um, but that—that's just. Uh, I, I don't. I never forget that phrase. Now, when I first heard him say that, um, and I think he was talking about Jason Kokrak at the time. Yeah. But there are there are players where where you know it's impossible, isn't it, to you know to to work out where they're going to be in a year's time. We can only do with what's in front of us. Um, but it's just interesting how players go and players come, and and then you never see them again. Anyway. A good comparison, um, I think, in a nice segue, is Brian Harmon, right? Like he won the Wells Fargo, he's won the John Deere. Two better events than the two that Seamus has won. But he's got mm. a second in the US Open, a third in the players, second in Mark Haber. He's a, he is a true plodder of the PGA Tour, but he tends to sort of elevate his game in some of these bigger events. And that's kind of what Seamus Barrow has shown. Um, Brian Harmon, the form man to end 2022. And I know he's he's doing that not against the strongest of fields, right? Like he, he finished second to Russell Henley, which is a decent result at the Maya Cobra. He finishes second at the RSM, closes uh, with good rounds there. Open 15th and 23rd in the in the two uh, events, final round 64 at the Shriners. If that was if it was just that, I would probably discount it. If it was just that form, because there's been such a long layoff, there there may be better courses for him, especially like Maya Cobra and RSM and things like that. But then you look at the fact that he's played here twice. 2015, he made his debut. Mm-hmm. Pair of 70s to open, pretty average run of the mill. 75 on Saturday, disastrous. Bounces back with a final round 65 to finish uh, 17th. Comes to 2018, um, three years later, opens up 68-68 to be the 36-hole leader. Shoots a 69 on the Saturday to uh, sit second. And in probably true Brian Harmon style, shoots a 72 in the final round to finish third. But, like, I guess you probably need a bit of a, like, you can tell by the scoring that week, like 68, 68, 69, 72, that it was obviously a bit tougher than the normal in 2018. Mm. Is that going to be, like, is that limiting him? Is he not going to be able to get to the kind of 25 unders or whatever? That I thought the... that, yeah, that did come into my reckoning when looking at the. On tour tips, like his his rounds, it just looked like um, I think the scoring could get away from him here. Personally. It could, and then you think like so. The trouble is with him is like polar opposites: twenty two under at John Deere, ten under at Wells Fargo. Mm. And like when you think of Brian Harmon, I think about him not twenty seventeen. Wasn't that U.S. Open uh, course that he's played well at before as well? Was that it wasn't at uh, Coyle Hollow, but like I think he played well. So like he likes these kind of tough layouts. That's mm-hmm. what you kind of think of yeah. him, but. But 22 under to win that John Deere Classic was was how he first. Like maybe that's just how he was earlier right. in his career and it's changed. Like, yeah. Um, 
tough one. It's, it's tough it to know, tough. isn't it? It's tough. I mean, you only have to look last time out. I mean, the last two events. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so many birdies. It's 65, rounds of 65, 64, 65. Um, he's, he's actually had eight, no, 10 consecutive rounds in the 60s. Uh, no, 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 not consecutive, eight consecutive, but 10 rounds in the 60s out of his last 12. I mean, it's yeah. bloody good going. The guy's in great form, but I mean, it's, it's that classic, what we've been talking about, that break, that little bit break, and you just don't know whether it's disrupted his flow or, or whether he's, the score is going to get away from him here. or you just. I don't know. It's tough. It is tough. It, it really is. But when you, even like I said, I oh, must have been a bit of a tougher scoring week. That was the week that Dustin Johnson tore the field apart in 2018. So he he won pretty handily. I think he won by eight strokes in 2018, this event. He shot 24 under. John Rahm was obviously eight strokes behind him and Brian Harmon nine. So actually, relative to the field, his scoring was pretty good. It's just that DJ, this was, probably, was that probably the year that he shot that par four in one and Brandon mm-hmm. Chamberly labelled it as the best shot ever in golf and all that sort of stuff. Like, it, that's probably what happened. So um, there's, there's definitely reason for optimism on him. Other than that, I think it's fairly slim pickings. Like I mentioned, I think there's only about 15 players that can win. I think it's interesting to see what Adam Scott does this year with Steve Williams on the bag. Um, I think Keegan Bradley's coming back into form. Russell Henley, both Russell Henley and Keegan Bradley have both got the same profile. They need to get streaky with the putter, and they've both won recently to get the monkeys off their back. Like I think they're similar players, but other than that, I don't, I don't feel the need to go into the kind of 60s and 80s for winners. This might be where the kind of top 10 markets and things like that come in. Um, Stanley, was there anyone that you were looking at from sort of a long shot perspective in kind of the, some of the side markets? Yeah, similar kind of thing. Not looking to win, but top five, possibly top ten, but he's much more of a top five finisher. Yeah. Uh, Kyung-Hoon Lee, or KH, yeah. the PGA Tour reporter. Um, a couple of top five finishers in his last six starts, uh, particularly at the CJ Cup. Uh, again, played on... Bermuda grass greens. He was just really good tee to green. He played here last year. Okay, when you look at finishing, he finished thirty third, but he improved every round. I think he's just one of those players that. Okay, I don't see him winning. I don't see him getting within three, four shots to the lead. But a backdoor of top five, certainly top ten, I can see him getting in there. And yeah, I certainly get at least ten to one on a, on a on a top five. I'm sure we'll get more as more more odds become available in the next few days. There was some kind of talk about like comparing it to that TBC Craig Ranch where the, the scoring is so low and that's where he's got both you know back to back wins and he's open for sixty four, close with sixty three last year, sixty five, sixty five, sixty six, sixty seven in um twenty twenty one as well. So like I think it's in his wheelhouse in terms of like the type of event he likes. Um whether it's the type of greens he likes, that again is something that people need to look at on tour tips now that they have that uh, resource. I think that you definitely make use of that over the next couple of weeks and, and see what you like it. But like Bermuda in general, he, he puts absolutely fine from what I can see. Um, nothing to, to really worry about. He was he was third at the CJ Cup, like you've already referenced. He was second at Phoenix last year, uh, fifth at the RSM Classic, third at um, the Zurich Classic as well, which again is bit of a pairs tournament but like he's been fine on Bermuda so I think I think that's interesting I think it's certainly the type of player there's going to be one I think that's going to kind of shoot up from this kind of I guess you can call them bottom feeders in terms of the odds like the likes of JT Post and the likes of Adam Svensson 
that or Tom Hoagie's Tom Hoagie would probably be the one I guess is is the cut off yeah. point because he's under the hundred to one. But like he's played well at Sony multiple times and things like that. There's going to be some interest for those kind of guys. So I like that Kyung Hoon Lee shout. Jason, any sort of others for you in this kind of area? Really interested to see how Thigala goes. Um, yeah. He's an, he's going to be an absolute machine. Um, obviously on debut here, I, I couldn't be on. But I think it's an absolute bang on course for me. He attacks every single pin. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by him this year. I think he's going to be a superstar. Um, other than that, not really. I mean, interesting how Scott Stallings goes. I don't think he's got any chance, but um, I don't know if you've read that yes. his invitation to the Masters got sent to uh, I, another Scott Stallings with a wife uh, called Jennifer in exactly I, the same area. I um, think that's made up. You think that's made up? I think he's done that. Like, I think he's got a very clever marketing team. That's just bullshit. Okay. Like, are you, you're okay. telling me that Augusta don't know where he lives? Well, I, 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 <laughs> nothing surprises me. Nothing surprises me in the world. Uh, but, you, you know, I've yeah, seen worse things know. happen. I, I don't know. But anyway, look, that's there. So, um, all right. Well, if he's made it up, he's in really good form anyway. Yeah. Um, I, don't think, I don't think he can possibly get anywhere near, right? But I'm just, I was just interested to see. So, yeah, to me, if I briefly answer your question, I'm very interested to see how, well, Zalatoris, how he plays um, yeah. back off injury. And definitely Figala, I'm, I'm huge on him this year. The good thing about Scott Stallings, so he's played here three times. Uh, on debut in 2012, he was 10th going into the weekend. And in the most recent one, 2015, he was third after day one, 10th after day two, and seventh after day three, which you can obviously see on Tooltip. So, it's him, him and nice him and people like him and Stracker, they they just like turn up at events and they're just there without you even considering them. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have a penny on them. I'm, you know, it's it's the gal is the one. Yeah, no, I like that. Brad, any more for you before we kind of um, summarise our picks? Not, not really. I, I agree with Stanley though. Um, Kay Young Hoon Lee was uh, someone that I considered, but I think maybe as a, a top ten. You know, he's excellent on Bermuda, great in Birdie Fest, so he could has potential to get hot. But yeah, I, I mean, that's it. Really, I haven't taken anything yet, but he's someone I'm considering in that range. For a top yeah, I like it. I like it. I think this summary of picks is going to be very similar among the the, the four of us, but I will kick mm-hmm. us off. I'm going to go with Patrick Cantlay to win, uh, eleven to one. Sung J Im to place at twenty two to one or twenty to one. That's probably about all you can really get now. Um, and Seamus Power is going to go in there in the hope that he can carry on at least for the first few months of the season at forty to one. Um, Jason, I'll come to you for your picks. Yes, yeah, Scotty, Zander, and uh, Shames Powell. Absolutely, love that. And Brad, your three picks, sorry? Yep, I'm um, Patrick Cantlay, 11 to 1, Sung Jae Im, 20 to 1, and Seamus Power, 40 to 1. Yeah, so I basically, this is going to be a new trend in 2023, is I'm just going to copy Brad, and then I can't <laughs> be wrong. So, yeah, we have, we have got similar picks there. Uh, exactly the same is actually the word you're looking for. Um, like, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully very much so. Uh, Stanley, and I know you normally sort of finalise your card sort of later on in the week, but any kind of ones that you're, you're looking at for definites for now? Uh, definites for Zalatoris, uh, but I'm definitely scouring the news sites to see who's turned up in a way a week early. Yeah, no, I like <laughs> that, that. I think Cameron Smith last year turned up a week early and it made such a big difference. That's a, that's a little nugget. I like that. That makes it so unique. 
I, I love that. Uh, I think Tony Finau gets there early every every year because he's got some family out there, which may be a bit more of a distraction for him than anything. Um, but yeah, definitely worth having a look to see who who's been there, who's prepared, uh, versus those uh, picking up the clubs for the very first time uh, when they get there on Wednesday. Um, I think that's everything. I think I think we've capped it off really well. I think we covered everything that we wanted to for tour tips. Um, if there are any questions on tour tips, please do reach out to us on Twitter. Um, reach out to Stanley on email on on Twitter as well. They're, they're kind of all linked on on the tour tips homepage. Everything you need to know about that site is on there or can be answered by one of us. And I think that's just really important to know. Like, don't don't go on that website and like just find yourself not using something because you're not sure how to use it like just ask and and we will help you and we'll make sure that you get the very best out of the resource that we think is the reason that we uh found so many winners in the last couple of years so stanley thank you very much for joining us uh on the podcast this week uh we we do truly appreciate your support uh throughout the year and uh, Mm -hmm. we look forward to catching up again soon when we uh we hear more about these upcoming changes absolutely thanks a lot tom thanks guys cheers Cheers, Jason, Brad, thank you very much for joining as ever. And uh, that is another, that is the first of 36 straight weeks in the book. So I look forward to speaking to you uh, every week from now and then. Can't wait. <laughs> Just say that with some sort of sincerity. <laughs> thank you very much, everyone, for listening.